1: All right, welcome to episode six of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. For more information, you can check out extensionmarketing.com. So serving his third term as mayor of our nation's capital, Jim Watson has been an integral part of our city's growth and its ongoing projects and a really incredibly bright future. He's also the busiest mayor I think I've ever come across, uh, literally scheduling every minute of his day, which is why I'm getting right to it, because I've been scheduled in for about 30 minutes, which I'm incredibly Incredibly grateful to have that time. It's really nice to have you on.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. I'm glad I made the cut in the first ten episodes. You so did. Thank you. You. you
1: know, and I had my wish list of people I wanted <laughs> to get on. And and you and I have worked together in a different capacity. That's as, right. as many interviews as I've done, I've done with you. We had the uh, the noon show. I know. For a I know. It was months.
0: well. I. I I, I always tell people, we won our ratings period, you know, the four months I was there. <laughs> but it was, uh, most people sort of have forgotten that I, I did that, because it was only for about four months, four or five months. Yeah, but I loved it. It was like fast-paced, and it was fun, and I was writing a column for The Citizen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was finally practicing journalism, which I went to Carleton to study journalism and mass communications. And uh, I had that brief four-month uh, interlude of uh, journalism, and then I got... Called you back got into politics. back in, yeah.
1: which I really think is, is your love, it's your passion. And I, did you always really think mm-hmm. you'd end up being where you are right now?
0: Not at all, because I grew up in a small t- town in Quebec called La Chute. And, um, you know, it was a town of 8,000 people. Uh, you know, I think about uh, 7,000 were Francophone, 1,000 Anglophone. And uh, then my father was transferred a lot, and I moved to Montreal and Toronto and Sarnia. And uh, I always wanted to be a journalist. Uh, no, I idea that I would end up being mayor of our nation's capital. It's sort of a bit surreal. Uh,
1: a mayor in such a, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan. So, you know, I just think of, of what you've done and the length and I think the popularity of you it has been something that's been uh, something I've admired. But I want to go back still because you talked about Le Chute. I actually see the signs <laughs> for Lachute, Chute Quebec as I'm on my way up to, uh, to Tromla. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm asking, you know, when you talk about such a small town, what did you do as a kid? Like what kept you busy During those Um, years?
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, growing up, I had this uh, fascination with printing presses. And I actually bought a small printing press and put it in my parents' basement. And I uh, went around store to store to sell them business cards and envelopes and stationery. So that was my sort of, uh, you know, uh, kick at being an entrepreneur. And, uh, I, you know, I, I still, I'm still i still looking for a, a letter press, printing press, I want to get another one, because it's a great hobby, it's a beautiful art, and there's, there are very few of them left.
1: Right, and there's very few artifacts. You have a collection in your office, though. I've seen your actual <laughs> posts lately. You keep posting <laughs> things about things you find in your office.
0: Yeah, yeah that was Patrick from one of yeah. our uh, summer students. Um, we decided to, you know, uh, let people know there's some really interesting, quirky things in the office, you know, everything mm-hmm. from an uh, old, parking meter to a dragon's head from the Dragon Boat Festival to a you know, picture of me with a panda in Panda Cub in, in Beijing and so we I think we did 15 different neat things in the office and, and sent it out through social mm-hmm. media and uh, got some good reaction.
1: I think so. I, I, it's nice when you let people in on what happens behind closed doors or what exactly. Most people aren't getting into that office, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, You know, we try to make it accessible. I bring a lot of s- school students, counselors bring their, their uh, schools uh, through and one of the stops is the mayor's office and I get a little uh, song and dance about what goes on and people are sort of interested by different things. Like, you know, uh, parents will be accompanying the kids and they'll see a picture of me with Paul McCartney. Their kids won't know who Paul McCartney is, but, oh, wow, you got to meet one of the Beatles, you know, and, and then others will be fascinated with, you know, I have a Juno Award in my office that we were given to, because we hosted mm-hmm. the Junos in 2017. So it's, um you know, it, it's almost a bit like a museum, you know, of knick-knacks and uh, bric a and things like but that. But it's a
1: reflection of where you've been or who's been yep. to the city and who you've met. And it's almost a reflection when you look at, the eclection, the, how eclectic it is, of what your days and what your weekends are really like. I often have joked, you know, when I've seen you at galas or at advance that it could be the the 10th of 14 events that you have or the third of 12 that day. What is that? I don't think people can really process what it's like to have everything scheduled and to be that accessible and add everything all the time.
0: Well, last year, uh, Leanne, we got about, I think, 5,000 invitations in the office and I was able to accept, I think, 22 or 2,300 of them and then our deputy mayors Bob Manette and Mark Taylor uh, help with others and some we just can't go to or just doesn't make sense to go to and uh, you know I remind people that there used to be 10 mayors you know before amalgamation is right. the mayor of Nepean and the mayor right. of Canada. so uh, there's now one mayor I'm not asking for sympathy or you know a, a, a shoulder to cry on but you know all of those same communities uh, have events you know I said we we amalgamated the cities but not the Santa parades you know <laughs> everyone still has a Santa <laughs> parade Manatee and all that's good and, come in orleans and so on but you know and and i get criticized from time to time by people who say oh you know he's just out there you know clipping ribbons and you know handing out plaques and so on but i think you know you should spend half your time at city hall and half the time in the community i think that's a good balance you know you if you stay at city hall all the time it's almost like if you worked at a doctor's office you'd think everyone is sick Mm. in the whole city because they're they're coming to your office because they're sick You'd almost think that, you know, everyone's angry about everything at City Hall because people coming are usually coming to oppose something or they're they're against something. And I think it's not always reflective of what's going on in the real world out there. You know, what what we think might be a big deal at City Hall isn't even resonating out in the community and and vice versa. So I I find it's a great way to ground myself into what's really going on in the community. And I, I try to spend, you know, time in the East End, West End, South End, Central Core, uh, rural communities. You know, yesterday I was in Sarsfield and uh, Navin. Uh, you know, two two days before, I was in Osgood uh, or Metcalf like, for a, a, a Irish tea.
1: Like we see that, and we see how busy you actually are. And so I look at it, and, and I was, you know, very honest in my burnout, or kind of going, I, I haven't <laughs> slept in ten years. Yeah, uh, you know how how do you? And, and I look at you, and you know, you you've kind of kept it kept fit. You kind <laughs> of you're still up and and moving. Like how do you physically kind of keep up with this pace?
0: Well, you know, I, I haven't really thought about that because it, I've sort of lived that life for, for a fairly mm-hmm. long time. Like when I was, you know, as a minister and an MPP and you're living in two cities, Toronto and Ottawa, and then I was mayor before that, and then I was president of the Canadian Tourism Commission and I was traveling mostly international. So I've never, I've always wanted jobs that keep me busy. I'd, I'd be bored to death if there wasn't enough work to do in, in uh, an average day. And I think, you know, the, the challenge I have is trying to... Um, You know, uh, balance the um, different requests that come in uh, with the time available on, you know, like a Saturday, I'll do 10 or 12 different events, which seems a lot and it is a lot, um, but that's only a fraction of things that I've been invited to. You know, we've had to turn down probably an equal number.
1: But it's almost like a, I'm not saying it's a pressure. But, you know, when you talk about the balance, most people are balancing it then with, okay, I've got to get this done at work. I have this yep. to do with the family. I've got to, you know, plan on this. Like, your balance. And there was a really interesting article about you being married mm-hmm. to being the mayor. Yeah. It's almost like it's, it's that's...
0: That's my family. You know, people mm-hmm. say, oh, do you have any kids? I said, yes, 900,000. <laughs> and they're all constituents. And um, But that's what I love. You know, I think if you if you have... Uh, You know, if if the mayor, you know, the next mayor is, you know, someone with, you know, three kids, that's going to be their priority and they're not going to go to every single thing like I have the freedom of of going to. Uh, But, you know, I love these events. Like, you know, I, I have to be honest, there's some, you know, that are not that exciting to go to, but the vast majority of them are great. You know, when I go to someone's opening of a new store or a restaurant, You know, it's so nice to see the families of the owners there, like the mom and the dad and the aunts and the uncle, because they put all of their resources into this restaurant, and uh, the least I can do is show up and, you know, offer them some some words of congratulation, because it's a big risk to open a restaurant or a store, and you don't know if it's going to be a great success or it's going to go bankrupt in six months. And so I think it's important that mayors and councillors and MPs and so on show up at these events to encourage the... Uh, the growth of jobs and, and uh, creating some economic uh, wealth uh, for them and for their community as
1: well. You've talked about, you know, people taking risks and, and being and doing something that they're passionate about or opening up a family business and so forth. But I kind of want to talk about some of the risks that you might have taken when you were kind of working in politics and when we were talking <coughs> about kind of being a, a member of parliament. One of the things that I think you're most proud of is the 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 smoking, the legislation and the smoke-free Ontario. Why was that so important to you? And, do you, and you seem to be incredibly proud of what you were able to accomplish there. Yeah, you know,
0: it's not every day that you can do something that you can actually look back on and say, you know what, this is going to help save lives. You know, a doctor can do that every, every day, but not, not usually a politician. And uh, this was a, a great uh, piece of legislation that found its roots, actually, here in Ottawa at the Newport restaurant mm-hmm. with uh, this wonderful Hello. woman, uh, well, Mo, yeah. of course, but but his wa- one of his great waitresses, um, Heather Crow, And she worked in the, ho- the, the hospitality industry and the restaurant business for 40 years, never smoked a day in her life, but was subjected to that haze of blue secondhand smoke that you're too young to remember where there used to be a smoking oh, section no, and no. A, a non-smoking section or something. I remember
1: my mom smoking in the car. Oh yeah, you know, and then just and on desperate airplanes. for her. To, yes, and desperate for the window to open so that I could breathe, breathe it in, or ashtrays, you know, or the. Oh these,
0: yeah, I, I couldn't stand dirty ashtrays. Uh, it was like just trust like, me.
1: Yes. Yeah, like, so, I remember yeah. it vividly. Yeah. And so
0: uh, it was um, former Premier Dalton McGuinty who met with her, and she was on a crusade because she had uh, um, been. Uh, Uh, dealt this diagnosis of lung cancer uh, and she wanted to use her last remaining months and weeks to sort of promote a smoke-free Canada. And so she was going to meet all the different premiers and, and so on, as many as she could get in to see. And she saw Dalton and he was impressed with the work that she had done. Ottawa was actually, the city of Ottawa was a step ahead because they brought in their own A ban of smoking in restaurants, and that was a huge battle. You know, the bar owners: this Mm -hmm. is going to be the end of civilization. You know, the sky is falling, and everything else. It proved not to be the case. Or you know, more bars open today than there there was when this act came in ten years ago. And it really it was meant to protect the employers uh, or the employees of the establishment who didn't have a choice. They had to go in and work in this terrible environment where your clothes stank and your your, uh, you, you know, your breathing and your eyes were watery and so on. And so when that that came in, it was, I guess, a little over 10 years ago. I was the Minister of Health Promotion, and uh, there was a lot of anger. You know, I had people, you know, calling and yelling that they're from legions, you know, it's going to kill the legion, and we fought for our country. Right? You know, I said, you didn't fight to sort of, you know, allow smoking in, a, in a, a building. And so, you know, we stood our ground, and I think most people today would realize, you know, it was the right thing to do. You shouldn't be in a... You know, this odd situation where you're in a smoking section right next to the non-smoking section, and there's not even a <laughs> b- curtain s- separating it. It was sort of bizarre and silly.
1: But it, it almost seemed to be the domino effect, because from that, it established, you know, it wasn't just into restaurants. It, <coughs> it, it, it trickled down into so many other avenues. And I think when you look at the children now who are benefiting from it, they, they have no... as they have no concept of what it's like to go in and ask for a in the smoking section yeah, well or I, be I remember, in an airplane, or any of those things.
0: Yeah, well, I remember telling my nieces uh, at the time, I said, you know, you used to be able to smoke in an airplane, and they thought I was crazy, like, with three heads. What? You'd smoke in an airplane? There's all this jet fuel? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But you could, and you had this section, and it was like a little curtain, but, you know, it was, I think, you know, um, anytime you're doing anything new, I've f- found in politics that people just don't generally like change. You know, there's reluctance to sort of change, you know, a new building is being built in their neighborhood or or, uh, you know, a new decision on a smoking policy or tax policy or OC Transpo. There's generally uh, human nature is, you know, I don't, I like everything the way it is. And every once in a while as a politician or as a leader, you've got to sort of step up to the front of the parade, (coughs) excuse me, and, you know, try to explain, you know, uh, to the constituents, this is actually a really good idea and Nine times out of ten, you know, uh, people uh, begrudgingly will accept the fact that you know what this isn't so bad. A good example is Lansdowne. You know, Lansdowne for years was a dump, cruddy old buildings. You know, asphalt uh, torn up, a whole section of parking and uh you know we we work to put together a deal that really has revitalized lansdowne there's green space there's trees there's a children's garden there's an apple orchard there's skateboard park there's you know the horticulture building uh, aberdeen pavilion farmers market shops restaurants sporting i love it down there and i love
1: that i have when people come in from out of town i have a place to kind of show them to say no we're cool like we're not the boring city you know And, and i think that was a great thing and I think people have celebrated that there's somewhere to go. Yeah
0: and then you know I've run into people who were dead set against Games. it. Friends of Lansdowne shopping at Lansdowne and I said I'm not taking a picture of you and we laugh about it but you know I, I respect the fact that they had a difference of mm-hmm. opinion at the time. But
1: This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the extension marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into unchartered territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com.
0: You can't be in politics a weeping willow just sort of, you know, flopping back and forth depending on where the wind's blowing if you believe in the project you got to move forward and and implement it as opposed to simply saying well you know this is going to be too tough too many people are angry and there's shouting at town hall meetings and so on
1: but you know i've recognized and i've heard like when you've done your homework you know what people are saying you know who's supporting what you know which politicians are supporting what or what they've said and and that's been said like you know (coughs) So I look at you, eh, I hope you don't mind, just because I'm coming from the athletic background or yes. the sports background.
0: And I'm, I'm the non-athletic background. I know you, I know <laughs> Although you are. Although, ironically, I was the sports minister. This is like, because well, health promotion right, is Right, and I
1: want to get into and what you've been <laughs> able to offer athletes as well, especially with the karting system in, in Ontario. But when I was looking at what you do and your preparation, when you're studying opponents or, you know, bills or anything that has <laughs> to kind of go forward, do you look at it or do you train f- for it? like an athlete like that you that you have to train that you have to know and that you have to practice or do you look at it more like a like a, a coach that you're having to call yeah. the shots or like where do you find the training for what it is that you do Best It's uh, that,
0: a good question I've, I've never been asked that before because I think it, a lot of it is it comes sort of second nature now since I've been in politics for a number of years uh, you know my view is always be prepared you know with your facts And, you know, at the end of the day, good facts will win the argument, I think. Um, But you also have to develop a thick skin because, you know, there's, particularly now with social media, the anonymity of attacks. You know, I'm actually pretty lucky. Some of the stuff I see, um, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll I'll be at an event with Catherine McKenna, the Environment Mm -hmm. Minister. And I think she's great. Uh, she's a real pleasure to work with, and uh, you know, she and I will be in an event, and you know, we'll tweet a picture or something, and then the the vitriolic comments about her, you know, and the, this crazy you know conservative MP that called her climate Barbie, and you know, degrading uh, the, the position and the individual. Um, I've been lucky, you know, most of my um, people, you know, that attack me or you know, you sort of turn the other cheek, or if they use foul language, I just block mm-hmm. them, you know, but. Uh, The problem today, you know, social media is a blessing and a curse for politicians. On the one hand, it's great, you can reach out to your hundred and, I think I have 140,000 followers now, uh, and that's great, but at the same time, there are all these trolls that sort of, you know, try to, you know, get under your skin. So you have to develop a thick skin. You have to be prepared when you go in for an argument or a debate, whether it's at Queen's Park or City Council or wherever. And, um... At the end of the day, particularly at the city, because it's not a party system, once that issue is over, leave it behind. You know, if you're you lost, you lost. Yeah, you have to. It's, like it's a, hard. Like I find it hard because I, I like to win yeah. everything. and you know, I'm competitive that way. It's game day way. for you most of the time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, though, um, you know, uh, I think life is too short to sort of hold grudges and, you know, be... Uh, angry all the time, like you know. You, sometimes you hear on these phone-in shows on radio, it's like you know this angry <laughs> sentiment, like you know, you know. Uh, I, I I just find that uh, you know you can be angry once in a while. It's like a human, you know, nature to be angry once in a while. But I just find that there are a, a lot of people that are angry all the time, and I don't think that's healthy for them, and it's certainly not healthy for society.
1: You ca- talked on social media, and I was going to go Trump, and then I'm like, no, I've got to stay on. <laughs> going to stay on target here with the world of social media. Um, you know, you have people hopefully coming up and, and thanking you for different things that you have been able to accomplish. And, and you look at the Smoke Free Ontario. And, and I think there are genuinely people who are really thankful for these changes. And you've had athletes recently coming up to you uh, because you've given them an experience or an opportunity to participate, to compete at the level that they were hoping for. And that was the carding system that you gave for Ontario athletes. Why was that important to you and this was something that you also done while you were working, you know, as Minister of Sport?
0: Yeah, it was, it was the Quest for Gold uh, Lotteries through the Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation. It was a $10 million fund that we set up uh, and it was to provide funding for uh, carded athletes because uh, a lot of other provinces were offering that. Ontario was lagging behind. And, you know, politicians are great showing up, you know, when the medals are being handed out. But as you know, as an athlete, it takes a long time to get to the podium, you know, in in your particular sport. And, uh, you know, some of these athletes were, you know, like, you know, uh, having to have their parents mortgage their homes in order to get the equipment and travel to the competitions and the training and so on. And, uh, you know, this wasn't a lot of money. In some cases, it might have been three, four, $5,000, but it certainly helped, um, you know, I've had athletes come up to me and say, "You know what made the difference to me? Going training in the the winter. You know, if they're the Rito Canoe Club, they were down in Florida or wherever they're training." And it costs money to go down there and live and fly down there and so on. So I'm very proud of that program. It's it's still in existence, and it's still providing funding for athletes uh, in Ontario. And we've seen uh, an increase in the number of uh, athletes who have done better mm-hmm. um, as a result of those. Now, is there a direct correlation? Well, who knows? Uh, listen,
1: I can say that there would be when you have don't have the pressure of wondering how you're going to pay for your coaching or your facilities yeah. or your competition, and you can focus on your training, <coughs> it, it absolutely makes a difference. And it's also, I remember as an athlete, getting to that point where you could say you're a carded athlete That's or right. you know that you've you've reached that goal. I mean, for a lot of people and athletes, that, that would be it as well. So there, there's so many things to play on. You giving people the ability or the facilities to train and to do things, it was important to you also, when we talk about recreational facilities, yep. is having access for people to go and use them and to be active and Attempt to have these healthier lifestyles.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm very proud of the fact that you know in the last uh, couple of years we've opened you know the uh, Canada uh, Richcraft Center, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. looks like it's something out a Whistler, you know, with the big uh, wood beams, and it's just packed all the time. Uh, the Barhaven uh, Minto Center, the Francois Dupuis um, uh, Pool and Recreation Center in Cumberland these are all beautiful new state-of-the-art uh, recreation facilities and they often get short shrift you know when you're dealing with infrastructure it's usually roads and sewers and bridges and hard infrastructure and uh, i think it's equally important that we have soft infrastructure things like community centers and and recreation centers and outdoor arenas you know we we struck a great relationship with the ottawa centers foundation with the outdoor oh, rink yeah, program absolutely. and you know it really changes a community i was in one of the communities that they tend to go into low, lower economic, uh, economically challenged neighborhoods, in Hetherington, and you know at last you know instead of a bunch of cruddy old boards or in some cases you know just snow banks as your your uh, ice surface, these are beautiful with the Senators logo and all paved and you know you get better use out of them a the longer season, and then it's used in the summer for you know ball hockey basketball. And uh, it's a great example of when the private sector and the public sector and the community come together, you know, great things can happen. So we have now, I think the goal is to have 20 of these. I think there's now seven or eight. The, the big one is at uh, City Hall, it's refrigerated. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they're they're all over the place now in, in Ottawa and as well in Gatineau.
1: Do you see having access to sport or activity is helping the younger generation of, of, of keeping them out of trouble, of giving <coughs> them goals, of setting, you know, setting things in line so that they they have a better opportunity or a better kind of system in place. To
0: yeah, sustain. you know, you know, I was that a, um, a summit that the public uh, safety minister hosted uh, two weeks ago in Ottawa on guns and gangs, and, you know, we have a real problem not just in Ottawa but across the country when it comes to young people joining gangs and um, you know, getting involved in the, the drug industry and so on. And, uh, you know, one of the things we really need to do is to you know, give young people an opportunity to actually uh, engage in uh, something they're, they're interested in. You know, basketball is very popular. There's like a, a, you know, a group in the South End started a Somali Basketball mm-hmm. League for Somali youth, uh, which is great. I, I'd rather see everyone integrate it, but if they want to have their own basketball league, you know, all the more power to them for, for organizing it. The bigger challenge we have in society is the obesity rates amongst children. You know, it's gone up 300% in the last 10 years. And I used to, when I was Minister of Health Promotion, talk about, you know, the, the strongest muscles on kids now are their thumbs because it's all video games, you know, all the time. And uh, you know, with, with diabetes there's, you know, cancer and there's um, heart disease and it puts a massive strain on the healthcare system. You know, our healthcare system is really the, a sickness system. You come when you're sick, you go to the hospital. Uh, we need to spend more on wellness and we st- need to spend more on preventative measures as opposed to you know constantly reacting and treating
1: uh, how do you implement something like that as you mentioned earlier people have a difficult time with change yeah, you know it, how do you change that mindset of people that that we use it for the proactive aspect well of well we medicine? started
0: to with the Ministry of Health promotion and then unfortunately a few years after my time uh, they they folded the ministry back into the health department, which I think was a mistake because you need to have, um, you know, the hospitals reserved for true emergencies. And I think if we're, you know, eating better, we're not smoking, we're involved in physical activity, you're going to spend less time in the doctor's office and less time in the pharmacy, and it's going to cost society a lot less money because, you know, the healthcare system is the single biggest expense in in, in any province. You know, it takes up the largest piece of the pie. I think it's forty or forty five percent of the, the budget is, is now healthcare. Really? Yeah, it's and it was you know, back when I was there it was constantly growing, you know, ultimately it would absorb every nickel that uh, taxpayers would send to it. So we need to make sure that, you know, people are you know, when people say, Oh, it's a nanny state, don't tell me to exercise and you know, I can smoke if I want it's like, well you know what? I have to pay through my taxes for your OHIP. So I think I have a say in the fact that, you know, we're not turning into a nanny state, but I think there's an obligation on us all to try to, you know, eat better. I'm, I'm you know, when I was Minister of Health Promotion, I was really good because I didn't yeah. want someone photographing <laughs> me, you know, eating a McDonald's, uh, quarter pound of a cheese. So did you now, feel pressure?
1: So did you feel pressure <laughs> the perception of what people might think if they caught you as the health minister eating unhealthy?
0: Yeah, you know, like, you know, I still did it. And, then, you, know, you know, no one, I think once in a while someone would say something when I was in the grocery store. But... Um, you know, you you have to sort of practice what you preach. You can't go in there and, you know, get on your soapbox and start talking about, you know, eating healthy and physical activity if you do nothing, <laughs> you know, uh, along those lines. So I actually, for that two years, I think it was the healthiest time did of my life. Did you
1: feel better during that time? Like did I, did, say, I did, I like did,
0: yeah, I did, and, and it's, you know, it's it's given me sort of reason, you know, my, my staff will laugh at me because they know of all the food, the, the junk food that I uh, have, including stopping last night on the way home and Susie Q Donuts oh, <laughs> for two eat. donuts. You do you know, like those, don't you? I do, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: not the first time I've heard you talk no, about no, them. No, no, they're, they're yeah. very
0: good. I actually have a share in the company, I think. So, you know, look, like you can't be holier than thou and purer than pure. Like, you know, people are going to have French fries and poutine and everything else. But, you know, I have to sort of you know do a better job of balancing my diet out because, uh, you know, I have sleep apnea, which adds to, you know, one of the challenges. You know, people. I often get a kick out of people saying, oh, ne- you must never sleep. And I said, yeah, it's true. I, I do never sleep, you know, and, and you end up with, uh, I've tried the mass and so on. It, it, none of them work for me. Um, and with sleep apnea, you know, it tires you down and then your immune system is, is weaker. So I like, you know, for, uh, in the winter, I have like a nonstop cold. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm always like sniffing and, you know, sn- sneezing and so on. So I have to do a better job, uh, but you know, at least in, from a public policy point of view, I can you know put my efforts to opening these rec centers to give people a fighting chance to go to a really good uh, center that has a fitness room and it's very modestly priced.
1: Mm-hmm. No, you've been able to do that. I mean, keeping it that the the access fees yeah. uh, are, are to a place where people can actually go and, and be able to do that. All right, I just have a couple more minutes, so. Just things that I have noticed and, yeah. and things that I admire. When mm-hmm. you're going to all of these events, you honestly can look a person in the eye and say their name <laughs> and then ask them, you know, how their spouse is doing or how yeah. their kids are. How is How did you train for that? You remember people's faces, their names, what they do. Like, is that just Not a natural time, though, talent? Though. Or I, I have watched you in action. You're very good. Like, I'm wondering, can people train to be able to do yeah. that? or?
0: I love name tags. I think that's... <laughs> They should be legislated for all <laughs> events for politicians. Um, you know what? It's funny because sometimes I will, you know, remember someone that I met like 10 years ago. And then, you know, someone will come up to me and I'll say, oh, very nice to meet you. Well, we met two weeks ago. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm sort of hit and miss. I I think after a while, you, you you, know, you you get to see a lot of the, the same people mm-hmm. at different events. You know, like I jokingly said, you know, Ottawa's a population of 500. We're always at the same thing. was no suit fun and this mm-hmm. and that. But, um, you know, I try to remember people's name when they, they tell me because, you know, the challenge I have is that, you know, more people know me than I know them. And, um, you know, the, the thing I hate the most is when someone says, I bet you don't remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that?
1: <laughs> well, congratulations. You're, you're right, but it's going to be a hard one. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, two, just two uh, really quick questions. Uh, advice that you would give to a young politician looking to get into the biz?
0: You know, I, I got elected, I think, when I was 28 or 29 or something like that. Um, in hindsight, I think it would probably be wiser for me to have spent more time uh, in a career. Um, I worked up on the Hill. I worked for the Speaker as Director of Communications. I loved it. Uh, but, you know, sometimes uh, timing is everything. And, uh, you know, I saw an opportunity. I thought we had a not a great city councillor uh, representing our, our community, and I decided to to run. So I think, you know, uh, get a professional uh, degree uh, or a diploma, um, you know, maybe two, and uh, don't rush off to be, you know, the youngest mayor or the youngest mm-hmm. councillor because I think uh, we're better served by people who have broader knowledge of different issues. You know, when I was mayor the first time of the old city of Ottawa, um, you know, people say, well, you know, how do you think you're doing now? I said, I think I'm a better mayor now because I went out and I was a cabinet minister and I was president of a Canadian Tourism Commission and I worked in the media and you become more rounded.
1: You also did that in, in university, at Carleton University, wasn't it part of the residence program? Like you were in charge? Uh, well, I
0: was did president you? of the Residence Association. Yeah. yeah. Which was, a, it, it taught me a lot about, um, you know, we had to fire people. We ran a bar and a newspaper and a store and an arcade and so on, all on campus. And, you know, there were some employees that we had to let go, and, you know, you're like 21 years old yeah. or 20 years old, <laughs> firing someone, you know, that's... Those are uh, life lessons tough. you learn early. Yeah, that's right, yeah.
1: Uh, and then, advice that you would give to yourself, to the, to <clears> the younger <throat> self, to the boy growing up in Le Chute, <laughs> Quebec, you know?
0: Uh, you know, my sister went uh, to French school, and I chose not to, and my French is not nearly as good as hers, and I... I wish I'd uh, spent more time, and my mother was a French teacher, you know, it's like we'd never speak French at, at home, so I wish I'd uh, spent more time um, practicing French and, French, and I think the other thing is to learn at least another language. Like, I always feel, you know, frustrated when I'm at, you know, Villa Marconi and I can't speak Italian, or I'm at, you know, another event and I can't speak German, so I'd, I'd lo- I wish I'd, I'd had the patience. And, you know, I took German in grade nine. So when I, you know, meet someone from German, uh, Guten Tag, big gates <laughs> and that's about it. You know, I can count to 10 in German. But I think learning another language uh, is, is, is great, not just for politicians. It's just, uh, you know, it keeps your mind okay. stimulated.
1: So you've had a, a long career in politics. And, you know, there's, I I, I sense for you, there's more to come. But then how do you see yourself in retirement what are you enjoying what are you doing once you're not doing 14 <clears throat> events yeah i know weekend? i'm like gonna be d-
0: really bored so, uh, probably yeah. a lot of charity work i mm-hmm. used to do a lot of charity work before i was elected and i enjoyed it you know diverse you know i was on the board at carlton and uh, you know the, uh, the national arts center and and so on so um i think i'd probably do a lot of charity mm-hmm. and offer you know what i can offer to help good causes whether it's raise money or, or awareness but I'm going to have to have like a lot of hobbies uh, you know, yeah, and we know
1: it's <laughs> not going to be skating or snowmobiling, no, no. Those, those <laughs> both, both of which are yeah. off, the, off the list. But there's still more things that you're excited to learn and be passionate about. I yeah, think, yeah. Yeah.
0: And you know, and look at, um, you know, in this job, uh, you have no job security and you have to be, you know, on your toes all the time. And, and that's what I like about it because every four years I have this big job interview called an election. And if people don't like what I've done or what I've said or, or, you know, combination of those, then they have the right to tell me, you know, we don't want you anymore. So, um, you know, I don't know, you know, I have an election this October. I don't know what the results are going to be. So, you know, I could be uh, doing a lot of charity work or I could be back as mayor, but that's up to the public.
1: Well, you've got my vote.
0: <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> really
1: appreciate you coming on. There yeah, you have it. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Jim Watson, our mayor of Ottawa, the nation's capital how did i do how did i do 32 and a half minutes i was like right come on a journey like no other where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier healthier and more stress-free
0: life and the beauty is you don't need any vacation time for this adventure the journey will come to you join avery rich on your very own journey into yoga